Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners for Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, joined by my co-host and business partner, Herway Konings. And we are here for episode 168. We missed you, listeners. We weren't here last week as we took our Thanksgiving to enjoy. But we are back. And let me tell you, another great episode in the blockchain industry, specifically around securities. We're going to cover the top five news. We're going to cover everything happening in the industry. We're going to cover the trading tokens, everything going on on the new issuances coming to market, and of course, a dive into the metaverse to look about what's going on in the digital sphere. But before we dive into any of that, we also have our main topic, all that fun stuff we'll get into later, but Herwig, we've got some- Good one today, I think. Quite an agenda, man. Especially because of that two-week break, or that week break, now that we're two weeks of news behind, we've got a ton for you. But first, our sponsor, which this week is actually our sister company, Stuck In Here Studios, the company producing the show uh, behind all of this. And huge news, they got a Rococo suit. It's a motion capture software system that essentially allows you to now do digital avatars. Folks, if you ever wanted to launch a show, create something, some media using this technology, come check us out. And with that, Kyle, let's get into the show. And moving into our top five, we have two weeks worth of news to cover up and catch up on. And boy, is it a doozy. Kicking it off with number one, the European Investment Bank. They are launching a tokenized Euro-denominated Euro bond offering. This is a 100 million Euro bond. Insane. We've seen a lot of international jurisdictions now taking this on, and Europe is certainly no sooner to the party. We've got Goldman Sachs, Banco Santander, SocGen, and the Bank of France all participating in this offering. It's a two-year bond. It uses CBDCs to settle all of the issuance, to pay out the dividends, to track this market, and it will be using the Luxembourg framework, regulatory framework, to do the issuance. This comes on the cusp of a lot of APAC region issuers doing the same thing in Singapore and Korea and others, and certainly we saw the Fed trialing a CBDC within the last couple of weeks. So Europe is certainly getting involved and is a leader in this space with some of the biggest investment banks in the world. no doubt, obviously, number one news right there. That is just all of the finest things about tokenization, in my opinion. But we've got some even bigger news, too, on top of that with number two on Apollo. Folks, this is a half a trillion dollar asset manager, and they've selected Figure Technologies as their partner to tokenize some of their new funds. So this is Again, a huge trend we're starting to see big banks, big asset managers saying, hey, we're going to start leveraging tokenization in this way. And a big win for Figure uh, as well as this is obviously a huge client for them, but uh, a bigger win for the industry. Absolutely right. $512 billion in assets under management for Apollo. And number three, BlackRock loves tokenization. CEO Larry Fink actually came out saying that the next generation of securities will be tokenization of securities. 
They haven't disclosed a lot of their efforts around leveraging this technology yet for their trillions in assets under management, but recognizing this is the future of the industry is another great win as we see leaders from all around the world recognizing blockchain just saves a lot of money with the settlement process. It's obviously going to be adopted by all of these asset managers and issuers alike. Three huge wins for the industry, but we're not stopping there. Number four, we've got Jupiter Wells, which is actually doing a dividend, uh, similarly like overstock, if those of you are familiar, of equity uh, in the form of a security token for one of their subsidiaries that sells CBD products. Uh, and this is an interesting story, folks, because they trade on NASDAQ, uh, Jupiter Wells. Mm -hmm. And in fact, this is now them making a move into the security token foray. And this time, instead of like Overstock did with T0, they're leveraging the merge upstream uh, process. So now investors or shareholders, I should say, that are actively holders of this NASDAQ traded company now have to go and collect their dividend in their new uh, subsidiary that they own. Uh, on merge, which is a great way to migrate people over to the industry. So love to see that news. Yeah, many of the small cap issuers have all kinds of liquidity and investor management problems on some of these exchanges. Just getting listed on NASDAQ doesn't solve all of your problems. And clearly it's being demonstrated some of these new opportunities. Shout out to them. Number five, CFTC chair snubs Ethereum. Previously, we had seen the CFTC and the SEC coming out and suggesting maybe ETH is a commodity, just like Bitcoin, but they have shut that down recently, claiming only Bitcoin is the commodity that they recognize. And there's maybe a couple questions around what spurned this. We heard potentially there are some enforcement problems because as you may or may not know, the CFTC, while they do oversee commodities, they don't look at spot markets. They only look at the futures contracts themselves. So they're, they don't even have a ton of jurisdiction over how to determine spot prices even if it was a commodity so perhaps they feel like there's not an enforcement ability there or is it the fact that they've switched to proof of stake meaning that that causes some concern around whether it's a security or commodity they haven't given that. any clarity there yet but maybe both are playing a part absolutely huge news as the war for who gets to regulate crypto continues maybe a win for the sec there mm. anyway let's get into the rest of the industry news with annie yanzi Happy Grand Rising, everyone. Today we are starting our news with a woman in tech who is making big strides. Nisa Amals was appointed to Dignity's Gold's Board of Advisors. Dignity Gold is a blockchain development company creating security tokens to establish investment opportunities in U.S. metals, mining, and mineral sectors. Their token is a verified gold reserve-backed security token represented by direct backing of at least $6 billion in gold res reserves. Amals who has been named one of the top 100 women in fintech, will serve as a trusted advisor to help redefine and bring more controls to owning and trading commodities, positioning Dignity Go as the easy-to-use, most trusted, and regulatory-compliant United States Gold Reserve-backed security token. Next up, we have El Salvador proposing a digital securities bill that could pave the way for Bitcoin bonds. The bill seeks to establish a National Digital Assets Commission that would oversee the regulation of digital asset issuers, service providers, and other participants involved in the public offering process of digital securities. The new rules are asking for the creation of a Bitcoin fund management agency that will be responsible for administering, safeguarding, and investing front funds from public offerings carried out by the government and its institutions, as well as any returns from these public offerings. 
Moving on, we have DTCC and the private sector digital dollar project sharing the result of their security settlements pilot using two blockchains. One distributed ledger was simulated for central bank digital currency or CBDC, and the other was for tokenized securities on the prototype DTCC digital settlement network. One key feature of the pilot is it retains a role for a central counterparty, which some blockchains seek to remove. The functionality essentially involves escrow. Cash in the CBDC is escrowed until the security settlement happens. Likewise, on the other side of the trade, when security transaction price is agreed, the security token is escrowed. It should be released for transfer when the CBDC payment is released. This escrow would happen throughout the day with the payment settling once a day on either the same day, the next day, or in two days. One key issuance of the project is how to guarantee both trans transfers happen at the same time. The decision was to use a neural, neutral third party to ensure settlement happens automatically on two DLT networks. In terms of technology, the project didn't mention which blockchain was used. The company, however, is working on other projects and initiatives. For our last news, we have INX Digital Bidding to Purchase Voyager Assets. Voyager's July bankruptcy filing in the U.S. Southern District Court of New York caused a bidding war for its assets. FTX won that bidding, but that has now reopened following the FTX-owned bankruptcy. Let's see who wins the bidding war this time. Okay, folks, that's all the news I have for today. Let's pass it on to Jason with your STO updates. Hello, tokenizers. I'm Jason, subbing in for Megan this week, bringing you two security token offerings. Let's dive right in. First up, we have Equista launching their equity crowdfunding campaign on Securitize to accelerate growth. They are a stock management company looking to provide founders with effective cap table solutions. Now, according to their website, these equity shares would not be diluted as they have bootstrapped the startup from the start. This means that you get first dibs on owning shares of Equista. Now, let's remember the basics of equity crowdfunding using Reg CF. This means that anyone, accredited or not, US or international, can invest into Equista and they're allowed to raise up to $5 million. By the looks of it, on Securitize, the minimum is only $100 and Equista is valued at over $67 million. Learn more on Securitize. Now, moving on, we have an update from Landshare. They have successfully raised their third offering of tokenized real estate in just two days. For those not familiar, Landshare is a US-based company that launched one of the first tokenized real estate platforms on the Binance blockchain, where investors can participate for as little as $50. This specific offering was centered around investing in a house flip rather than the property itself. This means that unlike renting out the property and receiving dividends from cash flows, investors are rather exposed to the profits from selling the property at a much higher value uh, after reconstruction or renovation. This is a great example of security tokens democratizing opportunity for investments as previously only developers and real estate professionals had access and the chance to invest in these kinds of projects. Now anyone around the world can invest for a piece of the pie. Now, if you're really into real estate, such as you're being an investor, a developer, or an owner, and want to learn more about how tokenization affects you, Security Token Advisors does have a course that covers all of the ins and outs. You can learn more about the course at course.securitytokenadvisors.com, or you can email me at jason at securitytokenadvisors.com, and we'll have a nice conversation about that. Now, that's all for this week. Let's go on to Sam Sachs for the market update. Hello, Andy. 
and happy Monday and welcome to December. Will there be a Santa Claus rally this year or will the dark cloud above all blockchain freeze us out of any rally? We'll have to watch and see. But for now, the security token market cap begins the month at $15.23 billion. However, I want to take some time to flash back and let's see what last month brought us. December saw over $3.78 million worth of security tokens traded, which is down sharply month over month. Our big winner of the month is one of Realty's properties, 15095 Hartwell Street, as it saw an over 295% gain on the month. T0 was up over 60% on the month with over $156,000 worth of volume, a strong sign from one of the leading exchanges in the space. And the tokenized resort out of Colorado, Aspen St. Regis had a strong month in its own right, up over 14.8%. Keep in mind, the average stock market return is 9 to 10% 9 to 10% annually and is down over on the year over 14%. There is some serious outperformance that we're seeing. Curzio Research, Research, on the other hand, had a month to forget as it finished down close to 50%. And when will the bleeding stop? Remember Exodus Wallet? It's down another 25% on the month. Its token is now trading at only $2.90, which is down over 90% from its open. Its market cap is only $8 million. Holy moly. 20418 Andover Street rounds us out as it finished down 22%, but on very, very low volume. And as Anna mentioned before, INX Digital has entered the bidding contest for the assets of bankrupt cryptocurrency lender Voyager Digital, announcing a non-binding letter of intent on Wednesday. We don't know the terms of the deal, but if this deal is won, the exposure that security tokens would receive would be absolutely massive. However, there's also a chance this is merely for posterity purposes and nothing will come of it either. In other news, Ripple scored the legal victory in October when the court ruled in its favor, saying the SEC must produce documents that Ripple intended to use as evidence, including a speech of interest by its former director of corporate finance, William Hinman, also known as the Hinman documents, along with related drafts and internal emails. The speech made by Hinman in 2018 say that Ethereum was not a security, which is a huge part of Ripple's argument. The documents, however, remain sealed to the public. Expectations have been voiced by those following the lawsuit closely that the documents might be revealed to public. This is going to be redacted, obviously, but during the summary of judgment motions expect on December 5th. Others, however, believe that the public might not get to see the references to the Hinman documents in the upcoming replies, as the SEC might redact references to Hinman and all documents that he had in the past. We'll be watching this very, very closely as the Ripple result will have huge implications on the entire blockchain sphere, and big developments are expected to come over the coming days. This is all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week, and I'll see you next Monday. Wakey wakey, welcome to Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Vanko. BMW is coming to the Metaverse and files trademarks for NFT authenticated media, virtual vehicles, retail stores for virtual vehicles and clothing, and virtual environments. The audio maker's latest interest in the NFT scene is not its first attempt of involvement in the space. And it's launched a Museum of Sound NFT collection in February, but we'll see what this brings. Next, Sony acquires 3D animation company Beyond Sports to offer a complete sports metaverse experience. Beyond Sports is a company specializing in using real-world data to produce 3D animation. With this purchase, the company is now reportedly able to offer a full metaverse experience for sports matches complete with tech from other companies already in its portfolio. 
Numbers for the acquisition were not released, but are believed to be as high as $70 million, according to Nike estimations. Moving forward, Mozilla acquires Active Replica to build its metaverse vision. According to their SBV, Active Replica will support Mozilla's ongoing work with hubs, the VR chatroom service, and open source project, saying that together we see this as a key opportunity to bring even more innovation and creativity to hubs than we ever could alone. Mozilla launched Hubs in 2018, which it pitched at the time as an experiment in immersive social experiences. Hubs provides dev tools and infrastructure necessary to allow users to visit a portal through any browser and collaborate with users in a VR environment. And last but not least, Imperia, along with Bloomingdale's, launched a brand new holiday virtual store in collaboration with Chanel, Ralph Lauren, and Nespresso. A first-of-its-kind digital experience the multi-brand store brings together several brands in a way that allows for each brand to communicate its own story while combining them all together in one cohesive experience. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Van Cole. Thank you, Eves, for that wonderful Metaverse update and bringing us back into the Security Token Show here. We got the Company of the Week segment. This is actually where Kyle and I, we each choose a company that we thought made the biggest moves in the space last week. We want to give them a shout out and it puts them in the running for the Company of the Year, which we're actually going to select uh, in just a few episodes. So big, big news there. But my Company of the Week there is actually going to be BlackRock. Mm. You know, have to give it to Larry Fink. Uh, I think that's Huge, huge news when such a big influencer in finance makes a statement such as the next generation of securities or tokenized securities. Like that is like mic drop profound. People are paying attention. The story is being told. And now BlackRock being one of the biggest asset managers, but trillions, folks, trillions. uh, And that's the head from the top saying this is the future. I mean, I'm celebrating. I'm popping champagne. That's huge stuff. That's why I got to give specifically BlackRock and my guy Larry Company of the Week. You know, if this is the future direction of the company, they're going to be positioning their assets to take advantage of this technology. If they see this as the next generation, they're certainly going to be players for years and years to come. What about you, Kyle? Who'd you pick? My Company of the Week this week was a smaller issuer. They are publicly traded with about a $24, $25 million market cap, which seems low for a publicly traded company, but they are doing some big, big things. So this is Jupiter Wellness. You may have heard of them from the top five, but if you haven't, they basically build a bunch of different products for healthcare and things like that. And they're actually doing a spin-off tokenization. One of their companies or their portfolio subsidiaries is actually spinning off. And what they're doing is very similar to what we saw with Overstock and how they did that dividend to all their shareholders, where they gave, if you had 10 shares of Overstock, the public stock on NASDAQ, you got one share additional bonus in a dividend of Overstock. The only catch being it was a tokenized share. So you could only trade it on T0. We saw this list on T0 drive a ton of adoption for the industry, a ton of great press for the industry, and actually solved some of his short-term problems around short selling and things like that. He felt that a lot of that short selling pressure was actually due to not locating who owned the shares. This is lesser known. It's not just about avoiding the short sellers. It's about locating the shares because you can potentially have overshorting than the actual outstanding proportions. We've seen this with GameStop and others. So he was able to 
to walk while Jupiter hopefully will run. They are doing something similar this time with a portfolio subsidiary and they are going to be spinning that off and that token will be trading on merge. So that is a tokenized equity in a portfolio company of Jupiter given to Jupiter shareholders that own this stock. It trades on NASDAQ. This is another one and hopefully we'll continue to prove that use case so we can see more and more issuers taking over the same thing because obviously blockchain ledgers help tremendously with even just those compliance measures of locating shares and properly facilitating capital markets operations. So shout out to Jupiter Wellness for taking the step. It's obviously not easy to stand up to your board or stand up to shareholders and explain why you're doing something that is so innovative, but potentially comes with its own risks. And so for that, I wanted to give them a special shout out. Yeah, good for them. Good for Jupiter Wellness. They absolutely deserve that uh, for being one of the innovators. And like you said, starting a trend that we're going to see over and over, I think, again, we wish them a, a lot of success in their transition. Um, and with that, Kyle, I think we can jump into our main topic. Let's do it. And now it's time for the main topic, Herwig. Sure we are is. talking about the FTX fallout, but specifically what's next for the crypto industry. We certainly know that the contagion has spread a lot of institutions in the crypto space were very, very exposed to this FTX collapse. But we're not here to talk about exactly what happened. We certainly did that a couple of weeks ago, and it's been certainly played out quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. But here we want to detail what's next for the industry, how we're seeing some of the bills coming through Congress, potentially what it looks like for securities. So let's take it away, are we? You know what? I think where, you know, it is unfortunate where, you know, we've got disaster, frankly, everywhere. Um, people are losing real money and value. Uh, there is a brighter side to this whole thing. Uh, and I'm sure many people have already potentially mentioned to you the ode of, you know, it's better for real value to be created in a bear market. You know, the real things will shine through. Uh, the noise is gone. But more importantly, this is actually an opportunity for crypto to evolve once again. I think that's why we actually got to rewind real quick, Kyle, and talk about the evolution where it actually started with Bitcoin, naturally. Uh, distributed ledger technology actually had a history even before that uh, coming together under this, of course, anonymous white paper and Bitcoin revolution. And I think that really brought the first idea and concept of you know, why blockchain is useful. Uh, and then crypto gained its its way into ICOs. You know, Ethereum brought in that new capability of applications. And we've seen you saw that transition of it's not just Bitcoin anymore, it's crypto. It's mm. everywhere. You've got all these different things. We saw the same thing happen, didn't we, with ICOs. They got regulated uh, because they were frankly breaking securities laws. Um, and so Shocker. now we don't have ICOs anymore. Uh, in fact it pivoted to different things like DAOs and NFTs and DeFi and these markets that have come around that, you know, frankly, again, are now falling apart on themselves. Uh, these markets are all down across the board. Real value is very tough to come by. Uh, and that's why we think the next evolution, I think, speaking for you, Kyle, is naturally this is the opportunity for security tokens. Totally. Uh, this is a, a wake up moment that if crypto wants to be bigger, it needs to embrace a certain level of regulation, you know, hopefully done with the right touch and the right way. But at the end of the day, we already have a bucket that we can work with, a framework that the SEC uses that we can stay with. And that framework, guess what? Does a real good job protecting investors. Personally, I like having things insured. 
not having to lose my investments potentially by making my own mistake uh, and having the opportunity to actually get real protections and rights and things like that in the, the, the actual underlying token. So in a way, I think, Kyle, this is a, a big moment for all of crypto to embrace uh, technology, the regulation, and potentially security tokens in general, realizing that we went kind of from no asset to a single asset and some rights to a full-on stock, you know, is really what we're talking about, aren't we? Yeah, no, it's absolutely right. And, and we were at a Art Basel event here in Miami, hosted by Securitize last night. It was a wonderful event for the industry. And actually, an industry leader, Blight Masters, was on a panel and said specifically a term that I think is so fitting for the industry as we've seen over the course of the last four or five years, and that is regulatory arbitrage. And this is the term that, that accounts to the fact that just because you don't like how the rules are doing it doesn't mean you can just break them. And so you see a lot of these companies seeing the burdens that come with following the laws and doing it the right way and instead are able to get away with skirting the rules and then capitalizing on that. It doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean you've actually built anything sustainable. You're just doing something outside of Absolutely. the rules and then capitalizing on the fact that you don't need to take the same precautions. But there are reasons why we have those rules. And I think a lot of people look at the SEC and they criticize the fact that U.S. regulators as a whole tend to regulate by enforcement, meaning that they only really give you direction once you've done something wrong in the spirit of the law. And maybe that's not quite as proactive or innovative. But I think that the, these complaints to some degree fall on deaf ears for the rest of finance and Wall Street specifically, because this is how they've always done it. This is how the rules go. And so because of that, and knowing that they regulate by enforcement, the rules that are in place today are probably put in place because somebody before that did something exactly that right. screwed over somebody. So we put in a rule in place to prevent that thing from happening. So just because you don't like that rule, it's preventing something else. And that's sometimes what we see, right? You look at, at the disaster that has been 2022, or the second half at least, for crypto, and a lot of it has to do with no fractional reserves. It has to do with speculation with regards to getting leverage and being over leveraged as a custodian and not managing and not using your fiduciary duty on behalf of your customers. These are all things that we've solved for, right? We have Dodd-Frank. We have the gap principles. We, we learned some of these lessons in Wall Street. And so we set our rules to require institutions to act in behalf of their customers. And now, you know, just because that's cumbersome, there's a reason why that we do that. It's so that situations like this don't happen. So I think that, that that's really an important point that we continue to try to hammer home here on the show. But these are exactly reasons in these types of markets where we've seen clients coming to us in droves because it's clear in understanding like, like look, these are things that are in place for a reason. We need to work with them as opposed to in, in contest with them. Like I hate to say that I think this FTX facade is going to leave a, a huge stain on the industry and the technology, which is definitely not a good thing. But it also kind of revealed the illusion, right, Kyle, mm. that it's like, you know what? Maybe this whole crypto world and sophistication is actually not this fancy, complex, special sauce. It's actually maybe far more unsophisticated than it is, and that's why we're having financial engineering. <laughs> yeah, financial engineering at best that has clearly gone awry and could use the benefits that we're clearly seeing from Wall Street. I have to see from their perspective, they're probably looking at like, ha ha, crypto, like, of course, 
the adults are playing over here with the rules. Uh, so I think that's going to end up potentially being a good thing in the long run for crypto. And we're going to keep seeing novel applications that are more in line with regulations. That's why I think security tokens really will have a banner year, folks. BlackRock, Apollo, Goldman Sachs, EIB, Banco Santander, JP Morgan, State Street, the largest names in the game. They're all getting into it, whether you like it or not. And it's happening right in front of our eyes. Real value getting created, real money is being saved, new opportunities are being digitally accessible and tradable and liquid. And honestly, I think 2023 truly is going to be a remarkable year for this industry. Yeah, no, Herwig, we were talking about it before the show and, and kind of the thesis for me around this industry is that there's plenty of innovation within the current framework. We don't need to necessarily change securities laws in order to improve on these processes, right? Transfer agents are incredibly inefficient. As we talked about earlier in the show, locating the ownership of shares is incredibly inefficient. The settlement process is very slow. Wiring money internationally stinks, right? So there are a lot of things that you don't need to get to change regulation to improve how that process goes. And all of those little things maybe aren't, again, the sexiest thing ever, right? Retail may not directly care about the underlying plumbing and how that can be transformed. But to your point, the institutions certainly do because saving basis points or percentage points on their transactions can result in millions or billions of saved dollars, which shareholders certainly care about. And challenger banks and challenger institutions may actually try to lead this wave in order to drive their own costs down to make their products more competitive than some of the incumbents. And that's potentially one of the, op the opportunities here is once one of these banks, I said, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Once these banks really start adopting this, all of their other compatriots are going to follow along suit over. to stay in the, the same contention, right? If I can offer a debt offering that offers you 2.5% and the best you can do is 2%, you're going to do what you can do to try to make up those basis points because otherwise all the money is going to go to the bank that can offer the best rates. So there are a lot of opportunities. We're seeing it daily. We're seeing it weekly. We cover everything on the show and it doesn't have to be new asset classes. It doesn't have to be crypto. It can just be leveraging technology to improve the financial system. Exactly. So where, where are we headed next? Hopefully you got a good takeaway. At the end of the day, Kyle, I look at it like crypto became this trillion dollar thing. Think about how big NFTs became. Think about how big DeFi got to the top. Just think about how big trillions of dollars of security tokens will actually be in comparison to how big and active these mm. other markets are already. Absolutely. So that day is coming, folks. That's what we think is next. So if you enjoy that show, of course, catch us again next week on Monday, weekly. Uh, we've got it all for you. And especially at STM.co, when, when we're not available for you, that's, of course, 24-7, all of the latest Ooh information in the space, all the trading data, great research and news from the team on the blog, and a whole lot more. Uh, and, of course, if you got fest, uh, questions, feedback, suggestions, please, Kyle and I, were are available on social media. Yeah, leave us a comment. We are happy to talk. We love talking about this stuff. Uh, we always want to make the show better for you. So thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, share it with everybody. Help us out because we do love what we do. And we are some of the only ones actually preaching the gospel of investment banking and blockchain news. So we'd appreciate everything you do for us. We'll talk to you next week. And of course, happy tokenizing.